Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with David and Lorreen Wilson. There's a link to part one of our interview with the Wilsons on the landing page for today's podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about the books the Wilsons have written to help churches do missions well. David, you use a term that I haven't heard used before, missionary care practitioner. Can you describe that? Yeah. Uh, so it, there is a little bit of a professionalism uh, that's happened in the missionary care world. So for the last 30 years, I don't think it was a big thing. Missionary care or member care is what we call it in a mission agency. But um, missionary care uh, practitioner, sometimes it's a, a professional. Sometimes uh, It's somebody that uh, has maybe a um, marriage and family ther- therapy side. Sometimes it's somebody that can do more clinical work, work that's more intentional uh, for crisis type things. And so I, I made sure I included some of those people on the team, but uh, not everybody was a professional missionary care practitioner. Sometimes it was a, uh, a, a, mis- a former missionary, somebody that had been on the field. They, they know what it's like to do cultural adaptation. They know what it's like to have um, struggles with children and family that are in another part of the world. So in a lot of ways, you can't train a person to be a professional in that way. So that's not like a professional person, but a more of a practitioner, somebody that sees themselves as uh, very intentionally able to relate well with the missionaries that we're serving. And that's one of the things that I really like about that book. And it's sort of a key component of our philosophy of ministry is that missionary care under the terminology member care, like you referenced, Dave, is like it's been it's been outsourced to professionals. We really see that um, there is a problem in that church agency relationship with it's so much professionalism. So you can get somebody that has a PhD in counseling, or you know somebody that is really uh, highly technically trained, but maybe they don't have the compassion or the empathy or that experience base. But those people are in the church. The, the people that know how to care for people isn't every church. Even a small church is going to have somebody that has that empathetic mindset, somebody that has experienced traveling overseas, somebody that's more in tune with uh, a person's psyche and the spirit rather than uh, just the technical, the academic, the, the person that has uh, some kind of uh, professional skills. Well, and I would say that uh, just as an example of just the impact a church can have, there's so much, there's so many more people that can be involved in uh, missionary care and being involved in missions in general. The whole church, the whole local congregation, and I mean, they're very limited on the agency side, as we were very aware of now that we're, we're working with an agency now, but just as an example, in our with Avant, there are fifteen about fifteen member care staff for about five hundred missionaries. So that's a thirty-three to one ratio. So if we flip that around and see the potential in the church, there you know if there's like seven hundred fifty church members that support ten families, that's a one to seventy-five. So. 
there's a huge potential in the church, in other, in other words, for them to be involved and, and to really make an impact in people's lives. And your book, uh, Minding the Gap, helps to identify the, those with those special skill sets and giftedness? Yeah, what we did was we basically told our story, you know, so we, we introduced all of the different players in our missionary care team, all the people, because uh, Mind the Gaps was team written. It was six of us that got in a, a place out in Malaysia off a, on an island, and we started uh, brainstorming, okay, what, what kind of things are we doing? What kind of things do we want to see accomplished? And on that island, we just kind of hashed out the outline for the book. But it was based on the personalities and the people that we had previously chosen to be on the team. And so, you know, I, I'm just going through the list here. I remember a guy that had a Ph.D. in psychology and I asked him one day, he's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, he was just a member of the church. And he says, well, I don't really um, have much. Uh, I just come to the church and you know, I go home. He didn't really. Uh, engage in uh, too many places in the church and leadership. And I said, well, tell me more about your PhD in psychology. He says, well, you know, back in the 70s, he he did his PhD and it was based on predicting missionary success on the field. And I'm like, you're kidding me. You've, you've got a PhD in psychology and your dissertation was on predicting missionary success and you're not in a missionary care role in my church. So that's kind of how our relationship got started. And it was like a diamond that I just found and I placed him on the team and it was an amazing fit. Another lady that was there, she was a marriage and family therapist. So she's very practical. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard this person saved my marriage. This person saved my marriage. And it was because uh, this person was such a good example of a marriage and family therapist and she needed to be on the missionary care team, too, because missionaries have problems just like everybody. All the other marriages in our church has problems. Absolutely. Wow, what a resource. How did you recruit all this list of folks in pipeline to contribute to this book? Yeah, yeah, that was an amazing feat. We, <laughs> we, we are so happy to have so many good friends and relationships in the missions world. Well, I see that there's from so many different tribes within, you know, Christianity. And they're in one book. As, as a missions pastor, um, we had, I think we, we had somewhere around 12 different mission agencies that our church partnered with. And we really wanted to make sure that we had a good, solid relationship. So a lot of these agencies were as a result of that relationship um, uh, from being a mission pastor. And then uh, having just traveled, going to mission conferences, I get introduced to different people. And yeah, there's 40 different authors, 40 different contributors to uh, the Pipeline book. Uh, they come from mission agencies, from churches that I really had a, a high respect, high regard for. Uh, we had mission coaches, Matthew Ellison, you mentioned, and uh, several other people who do that coaching work, consulting, go into a church, kind of look at things from a, a outsider's perspective and help them uh, vision and dream for the future. Uh, we just went down the list and started putting a, an outline together and say, who can we invite to be a part of this? And to have 40 people say yes to us and, and to um, put some pen to paper and write about 
what's the pipeline? What is a pipeline for a missionary mobilization mindset in a church? And we just went from beginning to end, you know, what the responsibility of the church, the responsibilities of a missionary, and what's the role of a missions agency, and what, what are some things that are going right, and what are some things that's not going right, and how can we fix that? So that's that was the impetus to the pipeline. Who's the, between the two of you, who's the, who's the one responsible for creating the outline? Oh, Dave, that, I think uh, the Lord gave him that outline a long time before we started putting names to it. Uh, it was already on our hearts that this was like the next step. Now we're, we're caring for our missionaries well. We've written about that. But, but now we see that the church, again, the church can be so much more engaged in, in intentionally raising up the next generation. And we, hear, we had heard that a lot and just, again, putting it in a book and providing it to a church as a resource on how to, how to do that. Um, and, and our responsibility to do that. Uh, is, so the outline was definitely given to you a while, while back, and we just put all the pieces together, and God brought it together amazingly well. But all those pieces that got put together was because Lorene was like, <laughs> she's on the phone or sending them emails and saying, you know, um, deadline's already passed, and the, <laughs> the, there's, uh, there are some good players and some uh, not-so-good players in the in the missionary mobilization writing world. And uh, so it was amazing to um, get these articles from people. And then, uh, and okay, just a little bit about Lorene here. When we're sitting in church and we get the, uh, the little flyer, you know, the um, worship folder, the bulletin in the church, she's, she sits down and the first thing that she does, she's got a little red pen that she takes everywhere. She's like correcting everything that's wrong in that worship service bulletin. And that's just the way she is. She, she sees all the different editing uh, errors and uh, she, she makes them uh, wonderful. So that she, she read this book, I would imagine 12 or 15 times oh, yeah. uh, over and over again, just to make sure that, you know, wording was perfect. We all need someone with a red pen in our lives. <laughs> of, of the three books, which, which of these resonated the most? The way we looked at our audience, every time we sat down to write the write a book, we were looking at um, an audience of a church that doesn't have the potential of having a missions pastor. And so, and we knew that churches that do have mission pastors would benefit from it, but we wanted to really uh, take a look at we are so blessed to be in churches uh, throughout our lives that could afford to have a missions pastor, that had the vision to have a missions pastor, that uh, really had um, a forward thinking about the Great Commission, um, an intentional church with the Great Commission. And so when we would write something, we would say, okay, is this going to be applicable to a church is this something that's just redundant? And we scratch those kind of things. And then, then we say, okay, how can we equip a church that doesn't have the potential of a mission pastor or even the vision? Um, we didn't want to cause conflict in churches. And so here's what some of the conflict may look like. Um, 
uh, pastors, the senior pastor of a, uh, of a church may not have the same vision for sending missionaries that someone in his congregation might have. So in order to empower them, we said, we want to empower the pastor with vision, but we also want to empower the lay person that has a mission vision to be able to approach the pastor and say, instead of me telling you what I think we ought to do as a church, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to take some of the um, responsibility of creating uh, the structure, not so that the pastor has more work to do, but so that the church can fulfill the Great Commission without offending uh, the pastor. So that's that's just some of the um, the reason why we wrote the way we did and in the in the form that we did. Uh, but we also have an awful lot of pastors that come to us and say, "Hey, would you come and you know do a weekend with my missions committee? Would you come and spend some more time?" So it's been really kind of fun for us. And sometimes it's about mobilization, sometimes it's about missionary care, and sometimes it's about short-term trips. But we thought that all three of those were topics that churches could use in, in ways that would be effective and productive and also um, looking towards the Great Commission for um, a, a church that may not be able to have that professional mission pastor on board. There's a real conflict of vision at times that a mission pastor has uh, with the senior pastor. Senior pastor a lot of times wants to reach the community and the mission pastor wants to reach the world. And um, I mean, there's so much conflict. Budget comes into conflict, you know, how you spend your time, how the pastor expects the missions pastor to spend their time. Does your your book address those issues? It does. And um, Jeff, and uh, Matthew Ellison, I mean, you guys, uh, there's some, there's some uh, things every once in a while we hear, you know, the senior pastor either holds the key or the padlock to missions engagement in the church. And, you know, it's a true saying. It's a real thing. And uh, I always appreciated hearing that. That put, that put words to what I had been thinking all along. And it, so I, I, I try to... And, especially in the pipeline, try to look at things like, um, what does it take to influence a pastor? You know, you don't want to be manipulative uh, with a pastor and, you know, try to get him to do things that uh, he doesn't necessarily feel the Lord called. But there's some things that pastors are good at, and it fits within the Great Commission. So one of the things is pastor needs a legacy. Sometimes they're looking for ways to influence people and here's, here's what happens in real life. A pastor invests a lot of time and money in, in spending uh, his uh, theological equity uh, with a, a young person. And then, you know, he's thinking maybe this young person will come on to the staff of the church and, and serve with them. But then that young person leaves and goes to another church, maybe to be uh, an associate pastor or a pastor at another church, or they may go on to the mission field. But to help that senior pastor understand that the theological investment and the mentoring and discipleship that he's giving to a young person, and then that young person leaves to go someplace else, if he can count that as a legacy, as a part of how he has influenced someone, and then that someone's going off somewhere else to do the type of ministry that he was trained to do with that senior pastor, 
Well, that's a win, and that should be seen as a win. And see, if, if a person stays either locally and does ministry, or if the person goes cross-culturally and does missions work, well, the outcome is the same. The outcome would be making disciples. And that's what we're called to do as a church and as ministers. We're called to make disciples, whether it's in the local Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or if it's to the ends of the earth. And if a, if a pastor can catch a vision that, hey, I can have global influence by discipling someone and that someone going and make disciples somewhere else in the world, well, that's a huge legacy. And so it's, it, that's kind of part of what we try to help uh, pastors understand through the book as well. And that's been received well. It has. And pastors usually, uh, they usually have this fear. Okay, there's, a, there's something that is being added to my task, something that's being added to my desk. But what we've written is a book that it, it helps engage the church, not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just the hired guns, but it engages the church. And the pastor can turn it over to a missions committee, to a missionary uh, engagement team, a mobilization team. And if he can train them up in good theology and good practice, then it's not more work on him. It's actually less work because the church is engaged. We actually think it's kind of uh, healthy because, you know, if people are busy rowing the boat, then they're not rocking the boat. So it's a it's a good thing to keep people busy so that they're not, you know, making a mess of things in the church. That's really good. You have some really good little sayings that I'm going to have to steal. What was the person the pastor either holds the padlock or the key? That's a good one. So true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Great Commission, it still belongs to the church. And, you know, we served with... Uh, as a mission pastor in the church for more than 20 years. And then when we moved to the mission agency and we're serving with the mission agency now, and sometimes uh, we see the mission agency doing things that the church really should be doing. Uh, the church was given the great commission all so many years ago and the agency actually it, it's necessary. We have a, we're living in a very complex world and things are complicated out there. And we need mission agencies because they specialize in things that the church doesn't necessarily specialize in. But the mandate, the Great Commission, those last final instructions from our Lord, it was to the church. It was to the body of Christ. It was the, the bride is the one that needs to be taking this hope message uh, to the world. And it begins with them and it ends with them. If we're sending uh, missionaries, sometimes we have people that, come uh, to the mission agency, and they don't have a sending church. They have to go shopping for a sending church. They, they discovered this mission thing in college or in seminary or something like that, but they didn't have a church that was intentionally and proactively discipling them to the nations. So we want the church to step up, see their place, see the thing that God has prepared for them to take, things, uh, take the gospel to the nations, and then be very diligent in making sure something good happens. Good things don't just happen by accident. They're well-planned, they're prepared, and when we send people out and well-prepared, then everybody benefits. 
Well, great. What is the the biggest takeaway from Pipeline that you want to you would want to leave people with without a spoiler alert? <laughs> yeah, I know, especially you guys at Shepherd Staff, um, you're you you're totally focused on the church sending people. I, I've actually heard heard you say sometimes that. Uh, uh, that you 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 don't send missionaries, your churches send missionaries. You know, and that's that's a real cool thing. That the ability to be able to say to the church, these are your people. We're just that we're just the logistic help. We're they're people who are putting together payroll and accountability and all those kind of things. But the church is the one that sends out her own to duplicate and to replicate into all the world. The, the church is uh, the, the entity that Christ is making known to the world. And so for, for an agency to take that role, uh, sometimes it can have devastating. Uh, I mean, we, we're basically, as an agency, we're the employer. And we can put some things together. But for real spiritual transformation to happen, it can't be through an employer-employee relationship. It's got to be spirit-led, spirit-driven, and that comes from the church. You know, that's interesting that you 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 speak about the Great Commission being for the church, and we all know that. But the way we behave is that the Great Commission is for pastors to do. It's it's the pastor's job to do the the Great Commission. So I appreciate you. You uh, you saying you know putting it the way you did, and maybe you can speak to that a little bit more. We love the church, we love missionaries, um, and we love our role that we have now at the agency. And we're all about all those three entities and other organizations really working together, coming together, not having to recreate the wheel on some of these resources. So we really feel passionate about equipping the church. Uh, to fulfill their their role in the Great Commission and sending out missionaries. So I feel like these um, resources we put together are very valuable that way. And I also have just one more. Really, we haven't really talked about the agency that you're a part of. So maybe you could just tell us what the agency you're with, the mission of the agency, and your role with the agency so that we can give the agency a bit of a plug. Yeah, we work with Avant Ministries, and it's uh, in in Kansas City. Avant has been around since 1892. We've uh, we were actually Gospel Missionary Union in the old days, and um, here recently we've uh, changed the name to Avant. And Avant is a it's a French word meaning on the cutting edge. It's you know kind of like avant garde. And we do church planting among the unreached in the world. And that's our specialty is uh, church planting, and especially among the unreached. We've um, recently had a merger. It's been kind of exciting around the office. Uh, Camino Global uh, merged with Avant uh, about six months ago. Camino used to be called the Central American Mission, and they focused on Central America and they've been sending people there since the 1890s as well. Actually, our two agencies were started by the same guy, Schofield and a couple other guys that were going around the country uh, making the Great Commission a priority for folks. So Camino Global and Avant uh, just recently merged, and uh, we serve as the director of church relations uh, for for this organization. And it's been an amazing uh, journey 
because Avant is uh, just doing church planting among the unreached, it produces some challenges. And one of the challenges that I know that we've had over the years is, you know, a U.S. passport, somebody with that little blue passport. They can't get into a lot of the places in the world that are desperately in need of the gospel. Some of those unreached areas of the world, you just can't get in if you're American. But with this merger, we've got this global engagement um, division, and we are talking, uh, really brainstorming how we can uh, mobilize and send people from Central and South America to go to some of those places that are least reached. And so that's been just so exciting to be able to come together, brainstorm, and determine how we can mobilize and send Central and South Americans to those very hard to reach places in the world. It's so cool to hear how um, God brings the organizations together like that to, to, to complete the task he's given us to do. Thanks for listening to Facilitating the Mission. We consider it a privilege to have you spend time with us. If you found today's podcast helpful, please leave a review on the podcast platform where you heard us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Search at Shep Staff on any of these platforms. That's S-H-E-P-S-S-T-A-F-F. -F.